Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Eagles fans. This is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. And welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles coaching staff, the latest news on Carson Wentz, and more. The comings and goings of a very busy offseason already in place. Chris, how are you doing today? I still got whiplash from everything that's going on. At first, you had a coach fired. You have a quarterback competition coming, and you got all these new coaches. Yeah, I'm doing all right. How about yourself, man? Uh, well, you know, I'm here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as my grandma says. Um, you know, it's an interesting time to go through a coaching search, uh, uh, a staff rebuild, and your kid going through his terrible twos all at once. But Oh, and then not to mention a snowstorm here in South Jersey, Philly area. But, uh, you know... Everything's all right. So let's just get into it, okay? Let's get into the coaching staff. I'm going to pull up the coaching staff in a second. But, um, you know, I, I know we had strong opinions about the lack of minority hires at the top. The Eagles have since made, uh, you know, a lot of moves on their staff. Some really intriguing, some kind of like, huh, sort of moves. So I wanted to, I wanted to go through things with you. And kind of talk things through. So let's start off. The Eagles hired Shane Steichen as their offensive coordinator. Nick Sirianni is going to call plays. So Steichen is is basically uh, Press Taylor-esque. He's going to help design the plays. And they'll go from there. What did you make of the Shane Steichen hire? I thought it was... Interesting. I'll put it that way. I thought uh, we know that uh, given that the way the league has gone and the way that the Eagles probably wanted, whoever's going to be a head coach, they probably wanted to be the play caller as well, too. And I think you'll see a lot more of a balance. I think you'll see a lot more of the run game instituted, which is not a bad thing at all. I just think when you start to see other uh, places start to go, oh, thank goodness they didn't take Pep Hamilton away from us. 
it's a little red flags going, okay, did they really truly get the right guy for the, for the position? I think, uh, given his background, I, I keep an open mind when it comes to him. I can see a lot more of the screen game coming back as well, too. I think that, that, that was when the Eagles were really going. I think that was something they were really good at, especially with a athletic offensive line, but, um, if he's able just to go ahead and be the sounding board for Sirianni and able to see something in opposing defenses and think, hey, you know what, we're able, you should do this, similar to what Frank Reich did for Doug Peterson, I think it could be good. It's it's just a, just a little puzzling for me that they chose to go with Steichen. Uh, how about you, man? What do you think of it? Well, I think for Millie, I think, you know, uh, Nick Sirianni's first press conference kind of uh, – well, it was criticized quite a bit um, for a lot of reasons, but I think one of his more successful answers was why he hired Steichen and fellow coordinator Jonathan Gannon is he had familiarity on the job with them. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. He knows Steichen's work ethic. He knows Steichen's uh, attitude towards offense. You know, you can lie in interviews. You can smudge things in interviews. These guys have essentially had auditions for him, for Sirianni, over the last few years. So I understood it from that sense, especially because he's not going to be a play caller. Maybe he's a better play designer. So I think benefited the doubt-wise, look, he got one year of coordinator experience. You can go from there. So he they also hired Kevin uh, Batulo as a passing game coordinator. Now, he's the former wide receivers coach for the – the um, the Colts, he was also a former quarterbacks coach for the Jets. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I believe, had the best year of his career under him as a quarterbacks coach. Um, and his title is passing game coordinator. So I'm guessing that uh, Steichen and, and Paluta, uh, Petulo will work in chorus under Sirianni in crafting the offense. Um, what did you think of that hire? Again, it was another like, a, for me, it's just another like, meh. He's there. I mean, I mean, especially with a lot of these guys with that he's hired. Especially, and I know coaches, especially as they go from one team to another, they rely on a lot of these guys that they've seen in the past or worked with in the past because they they know them up front. And to me, it's just another guy that I just I, I I know he's a Jersey guy, and I know he's he he's experienced and everything. It's just somebody that's just I, I, I'm not really seeing where like this offense can really take off with. I mean, I think he can go ahead and I think a lot of these hires, especially Petulo as well. I think they're just like the safe guy. They're just the, okay, we can go ahead and do this. And he's young. He can go ahead and uh, help out. He could be potentially an offensive coordinator in the future, stuff like that. But I just don't see anything that really screams out, Hey, this offense can become dynamic with him being on his staff. Well, and I spoke to Zach Pascal of the Colts and he said that, Petulo was really good because of his background as a quarterback. He kind of helped wide receivers and quarterbacks understand reading defenses, which I guess adds another element to this passing game. Uh, And frankly, the passing game needs all the help it can get. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a safe hire, but I also don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, Let's move on to maybe the most exciting hire on the staff, in my opinion, in Brian Johnson at quarterbacks coach. Uh, he is a guy who's been a fast riser. He replaced Alex Smith at Utah at quarterback, had a, a trio of really impressive seasons, was a uh, was an NCAA cover athlete, 
Then he immediately got hired by his alma mater right after he stopped playing, uh, became a quarterback's coach, quickly rose to offensive coordinator. Um, and then he, he left for Mississippi state, uh, was calling, it was a QB coach and, and a play caller in the sec. Then he went to Houston briefly. And over the last three years, he's been working with the Gators. He was a quarterback's coach. And then this past year, it was an offensive coordinator. He seems like a rising star. We obviously know the NFL is pushing to, uh, put minority coaches in a pipeline to get bigger jobs. Typically, quarterbacks coaches are uh, appealing t- to be potential coordinators, to be potential head coaches. And so Nick Sirianni is starting that pipeline here um, with a black quarterback. It seemed like that was a very um, deliberate move. They also interviewed Gerard Johnson, who you might remember uh, had a cup of coffee with the Eagles several years ago. He's now the quality control coach for the Colts. I was told that, that Brian Johnson and, and uh, Gerard Johnson were both uh, finalists for the job. What do you think of the hire, Chris? I think it's intriguing. I mean, he, he's done a, he did a good job, especially with Kyle Trask. And uh, I think that he was one of the uh, – main factors in making Trask look a lot better. I have questions about Trask as an NFL quarterback, but I think a lot of the things that uh, that Johnson was able to do was able to get the most out of that talent. I think it's important when you get a quarterback's coach because I think they, they spend, in my, and, and just, just overall, they spend the most times with the quarterbacks and they know to get to know these guys personally and intimately. And if he's able to go ahead and, and bring some of that stuff that he brought from the college game, and even if he has some say in, sharing some of those wrinkles that he's seen, especially with all the uh, new innovations that are coming from the college level. I mean, the RPO came from college first and and, and our, uh, the read option, everything else came from there. And now there's being used in NFL. You're starting to see this. If he's able to go ahead and use some of that stuff or pass some of that stuff along to, to Sirianni and Station, I think it's a good thing. And more importantly, he's about developing the quarterbacks. I think especially whether it is Wentz or whether it is Hurts or – if they go with option C and potentially draft a quarterback, I think he, whatever he does, I think he can do a decent job in order to bring them along, especially as well to me. His track record speaks for itself. I mean, especially with Mississippi State and uh, I believe it was Dak, was, was Dak Prescott or anything around that time as well too. I think he helped him out too. So he has the, tra- the track record to do it. And uh, he he's the most intriguing one. And and, and uh, hopefully uh, for the Eagles' sake that he's able to go ahead and uh, – and, and bring something new to this offense. So the running back coach spot still vacant. Uh, wide receiver, they're reportedly going to retain Aaron Moorhead. I think that that's a really smart move for continuity. What do you think, Chris? Well, especially, especially I mean, as is a turning page that was going on at that wide receiver position. And especially you already have a lot of young receivers on this roster already. I mean, it's going to be good for the guys to still recognize Moorhead. I think when you look at guys like Rager and Fulgham and Watkins and Hightower, yet so many young guys there, this fact that they will at least have somebody they know in that room to go ahead and relay what this new offense is going to look like, I think it's definitely going to help. And I think as – the season went on. I think Moorhead did – the receivers did improve when they got more and more reps on the field and they started to understand the offense a little bit more and started to get a feel for the NFL game. So I have no problem at all with them retaining Moorhead. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's the right move. At one, You know, I, I wrote when Moorhead got hired, 
the Eagles had more uh, QBs coaches over the last six years than uh, Daniel Craig had James Bond films during his career. So uh, that's saying something. Um, and then, look, we moved to tight end. Uh, Jason Michael, the former offensive coordinator for the Titans. Uh, this does nothing for me personally. I, I think, you know, again, another safe hire, another guy that they have a background with. Um, you know, he was with the Colts last year as a tight ends coach. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who has two years of coordinator experience, which is one more than Steichen has, which is two more than Sirianni has. So maybe he can help with game planning. Um, but certainly he's going to have to get more out of Dallas Goddard uh, over the next year. Uh, what do you think? Chris. See, I think, and that's going to be the thing that the key, especially with. Uh, I, I think that's the key as well too. With a young staff, you are need as many experienced guys that they have around here, and that's why I'm glad that uh, he more and Stoutland. I mean, especially Stoutland as well too. I think it's glad you have these guys who've been through the NFL rigors, who's been the NFL season, who have helped dudes bring these guys along because it's going to be. It, it's going to at first. It's probably going to be okay. Hey, is everything good? But the more and more you get into the season. Especially them being young, they're going to have to. He's going to help them be able to navigate some of the ins and outs of uh, trying to not only uh, navigate through how to design these uh, plays and get into everything, everything with the playbook, but also how to manage some of these guys well too. Especially being an offensive coordinator, so I think that that's one element. I think that that's going to be under uh, his experience is going to be uh, invaluable there. I think it's more of an experience play than actually as a as a position guy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so they're going to retain Jeff Stoutland. That's confirmed. Um, he's a guy who they needed to retain, frankly, and that's basically my thought on that. What about you, Chris? <laughs> oh yeah, I think he, he. I think he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. I really do. And the fact that uh, it was reported that Nick Saban was thinking about bringing him back that should tell you the, the level of respect that he has. He was at Alabama beforehand, but the fact that he was able to go ahead and uh, they still want him. I mean, just look what he's done with these offensive linemen, the young guys, getting them ready, especially all those, uh, was it, 14 combinations out of 16 weeks, trying to get these guys ready and having some semblance of an offensive line. I think the job he's done, I think, is a good job, and, and the Eagles should be glad they were able to go ahead and keep him. Let's go over to the defense. So Jonathan Gannon, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of people in the league that think this guy's an absolute stud, a rising star, a really sharp mind. Um, just very well thought of. He's probably going to come in and run a 4-3 with a cover two coverage primarily, uh, which I think will help uh, Roddy McLeod coming off of injury. I think um, it could help Avante Maddox if he moves into the slot. I think it gives them a lot more options in the draft. They don't necessarily have to go after Patrick Sertan. Maybe they wait a little while and, and get uh, someone who is more proficient in zone, or even if they're lacking speed, maybe they have more size. Um, I like this hire a lot. What do you think, Chris? Well, I think the, the the big thing that he does, he's able to go ahead and get the pressure with just the front four, and I think that's going to be key as well too. Uh, was it? I think they had one of the lower blitz rates in in, in the league last year. What uh, the Colts did as a whole, and the fact that you still have guys like Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargate. Hargrave, blah, excuse me, Josh Sweat, Brandon Grant. You have all these guys coming back, and to see what he can do with not only just that the, the secondary, but the defensive line, I think is really good. And, and the way that a lot of his uh, former players, like Xavier Rhodes and anybody else, spoke of him, I think that's key as well too. Because you haven't heard that much that that many players, depending on that, we haven't seen that many that much out out 
outgoing support for a lot of these guys for these coach new coaches coming in. McGannon had a lot of that, and I think he's 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 the one I'm I'm probably the most excited about on this staff because this this team has relied on his defense for a long time. I mean, I think a lot of people have uh, got so used to the uh, picket fence defense <laughs> over time from third and longs and everything else. He's going to bring, I think he's going to bring a little bit more, uh, a different look for that. And I think he's still be able to bring pressure with those front four. Uh, Tracy rocker, uh, according to Yahoo sports is going to be their new D line coach. He has a background with Gannon from their time at the Titans. Uh, you know, he's a guy who played for the Redskins for a little bit. I think I believe he was a, an Outland Trophy winner when he was in college at Auburn, um, going to the college game. But he's actually the oldest guy on the staff. So, what do you think about his hire? I think it's it's, it's a little interesting because I think uh, I think it was he he joined us in twenty seventeen. He was at Tennessee as well too, and I think I remember. Uh, I think I remember him in Tennessee, but I think he was all right when he, he, he did all right with that one too. I'm, I'm interested to see if he's able to develop with, with a lot of these edge rushers, especially with Sweat and especially with some of these young guys as well too. I want to see if they can get developed because a lot of them got put with that wide nine and they developed the one move, one or two moves and just went with that way. I want to see if they can go ahead and continue to develop on that ascension that they way it did. I think uh, I think Mac Burke did a really good job this past season as a defensive line coach, and, and it was. That's definitely apparent with the number. I think they, was they finished third in sacks. I think this season, I, it was apparent as well too. What, what the job they did. I think Rocker's going to have a tough job trying to sustain that, but he has the he has a, the assets available on that defensive line to go ahead and still be successful. So I, I, the key thing with with all he's got is going to be the development, and if he's able to be an effective teacher for them to go ahead and actually continue their upward upward trend. Okay, this is where the staff gets super young. Uh, Nick Rallis, who I first reported, uh, was getting the, the linebackers coach job. Uh, this guy is a young pup. He's, he was with the Vikings for three years as the assistant linebackers coach slash defensive quality control coach. Before that, he was a GA at Wake Forest. And before that, he was Craig James's teammate at the University of Minnesota. So this is a young guy, 27, um, but he shares the same mentor in Mike Zimmer that with Jonathan Gannon. Um, look, I like the idea of building a guy like this is the exact opposite of Ken Flagel. Ken Flagel was in his mid sixties. Uh, Nick Rallis uh, just has voted in two elections. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> so um, look, I think this is a really. Uh, this is an appealing hire, I, I think, in the in the fact that he's going to be a coach that grows with his players, and maybe he'll be do a better job of reaching them than somebody else would, because he is there around their age. He wasn't promoted from within, um, but I know for a fact that a lot of people think that he is a very, really smart guy. And if you guys are wrestling fans, some interesting trivia: Riddick Moss, who works for the WWE. That's his brother, so um, I'm sure he'll get he'll become popular with a couple of guys that are in the locker room. If Vinny Curry magically comes back, uh, they'll have a lot to talk about. So, what do you think of that hire, Chris? Well, I was going to say that I was think that was their way to try to get some Royal Rumble tickets, but that's a whole other story on that. <laughs> one. But overall, I think it was it was I think it's a decent one, like you said, when it comes to the Zimmer tree. I, I think I, when you look at the way those linebackers have played in the past. 
like you mentioned, they're very smart, very disciplined as well, too, and, and very athletic. And I think with this young core that's coming back, when you have Alex Singleton, when you have uh, Sean Bradley, Davian Taylor, TJ Edwards, guys like that, you're going to need – you have some pieces in there. I want – it's going to be depends on if they this team actually goes ahead and uses some of those draft picks on getting some more linebackers because – it's going to be good that he, this team really does need to go ahead and and develop this that position because it's been a while since you've really seen a standout linebacker. I mean, Singleton started to show that he was actually becoming that as well, too. He still has the capabilities of doing that. So I have no problem at all with this hire. I think Rallos can be uh, can, can be really good, and I wouldn't be surprised within like two or three years from now we really see his name becoming a defensive coordinator candidate somewhere. So DB's coach, Denard Wilson, according to ESPN's uh, Rich Samini, uh, who covers the Jets, he's coming from the Jets, has a really long background with uh, Roddy McLeod, coached him in high school, coached him with the Rams. What did you think of this hire? I, I mean, I was disappointed that they weren't able to go ahead and Marquez Manuel. I think he's de- a decent coach, and I really would have gone ahead, and if they could have retained him, I would have tried to do that. But I think overall, I don't think he's bad. I think Wilson's a decent, a decent job. It's, it helps that – especially if they're going to run a lot of cover two, you're definitely going to need somebody who's experienced, somebody who can help with the safeties, especially with McLeod coming back, albeit coming off that knee injury. If you have him coming back and somebody can, if he was able to go ahead, help him succeed during his career, I think it's going to bode well for not only him, but also Kayvon Wallace as well too. So with it, with this new cover two system, it's going to be really, really imperative for the safeties to go ahead and help out among that. And I think uh, if Wilson's able to go ahead and, 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 continue the job that he did with not only McLeod, but if he does it with everybody else, including some of these young cornerbacks and potentially one they take in the first round. Hey, I think that's going to be a, that's a good get by the Eagles. So here's the, I, I said, Brian Johnson was the most intriguing hire. You and I were very upfront about our thoughts on uh, minority hires uh, last week's show. The Eagles hired their first full-time black coordinator since 1998. He's their special teams coordinator. He's also 29, Michael Clay. Not to be confused with Mike Kay, uh, but I'm sure that I'm sure people have that problem in their daily lives. You're not lives. leaving, are you? Everything, as a fellow beat <laughs> reporter likes to say, everything comes back to you, Mike. Um, <laughs> uh, so Michael Clay was is actually. In his second stint with the Eagles, he was a defensive quality control coach under uh, Chip Kelly, who coached him in college at Oregon. Uh, When Chip got bounced, uh, he followed him to San Francisco, and he's been there ever since. He was an assistant special teams coach for, uh, I believe, four of the last five years there. And, um, you know, he brings a lot of youth uh, to this group, but also I think it, it puts him in a position to kind of grow. I've always thought that special teams coordinators have the best ability to become head coaches as much as owners typically don't understand that, I guess there's working with 85% of the roster to begin with. Uh, I think he'll be able to relate to guys since he's coming in fresh dealing with special teams players. Like there's nobody here that was here in the chip Kelly era that actually plays a lot of special teams, you know, Jason Kelsey's not out there. Brandon Graham's not out there. Fletcher Cox isn't out there. Lane Johnson's not out there. So uh, he'll have some familiar familiarity with the veterans, but I think, look, he's going to come in. He's going to bring new ideas. Uh, the 49ers special teams units have been kind of middling, but he's not the guy calling the plays. Um, and I just think it's interesting that they hired somebody who's so young and, and, 
you know, really has a kind of a fresh perspective on the game. You know, there are some really young guys on the staff overall. What did you think of the Mike Clay hire? First of all, I think uh, when it comes just to overall, it, it was good to see the diversity they added to that, to a coordinator position. I mean, applaud the Eagles for that. I think it was really good. I, I thought Clay with the 49ers special teams, I had him seventh on my list of potential guys that they could have hired at the special teams coordinator. I thought there were some other guys that potentially could have been a little bit better. I think the the one guy I really like was Matt Daniels with the Dallas Cowboys. I thought, especially with the way the return teams performed for the Cowboys and the innovation they use. I mean, we all saw that onside kick they use against the Falcons, which Falcons, I think that eventually got Dan Quinn fired. But I think that when you look at that stuff, I thought Daniels brought a little bit more. I think, the, the biggest thing that Clay, I think, has to do, and he really have to do, we mentioned the coverage teams haven't been a problem with the Eagles. It's about finding a way to go ahead and, and, and make these return teams dynamic. I mean, besides, you had Rager's punt return against the, the Packers. You didn't really see anything. And so if Clay's able to find a way to go ahead and make that that unit a little bit more dangerous and get better field position for this offense, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, San Francisco didn't – wow me this past season doing that but if he's able to go ahead if he has the he was the assistant so if he has a way to go ahead and and and, and can improve those teams better than what Dave Phipp did I'm all for it and wish him wish him well for that so the only vacant spot right now or major vacant spot is the running backs coach spot which obviously do Staley uh, who interviewed for the head coaching job has now moved on to Detroit for the same job in with the Lions uh, there's a report out there that or Andy Reid told reporters today, uh, Wednesday, that uh, the Eagles never formally requested an interview with Eric Bieniemy. Um, what are your thoughts on that before we get into the entire staff? For me, I just think when you look at all the available coaches, I mean, you talked about. We we heard when Jeffrey Lurie had the introductory press conference, he had 25 names, and then he willed it down to 10. The fact that Eric Bieniemy wasn't among those 10 is just shocking to me. I mean, was it one of those things where – I don't know if it was one of those things behind back channels where they thought, oh, wow, we can't – he's going to want a little bit more control. I, I don't know, but the fact they didn't even go that route is, is, is just asinine, or even just to interview him. I mean, when you look at some of these other candidates that that they did, and there was there were some good ones, some Kellen. And the main thing I keep looking back is, you mean to tell me you think that you thought Kellen Moore was going to be a better candidate than Eric Bieniemy as an offensive coordinator? That's where I just have I'm just sitting there like, well, how? And how sway? How? I, I just don't <laughs> get that at, at all. And it's going to be one of those things. No matter. Who, Who's the head? No, no, no matter who was picked by head coach, the fact that he had Laurie has to hit with this big time, or he's, he's going to lose. I think a lot of faith from a lot of people around the league because it, it, it's. It, I just don't get why not. Why not even interview the enemy? That, that's 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 a. It baffles me to, to begin with. I think his office. He's proven he can go ahead and help develop a quarterback. He's helped out Patrick Mahomes a lot. I mean, Mahomes has even said it himself. And, and you look at that at Kansas City offense, I don't think we would have saw the, a carbon copy of the playbook that we've seen the last four, uh, five seasons with Doug Peterson. But I think he would have brought his own little wrinkles to it. But I think it would have been a, it would have been a good way to go about it. it, it I think the Eagles missed out on, on a big opportunity by not at least interviewing him. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so what I would say to that, I'm just playing devil's advocate, uh, they didn't really formally interview, ask to interview Mike Kafka. So maybe it's that they didn't want to go back to the Andy Reid well, which to me, I've said it before, I think that's logical. There's the other thought of, well, in the past, he didn't want to interview until after the Chiefs were done playing and maybe the Eagles didn't want to wait. Um, so they had either made up their minds or, look, I'm not defending them. I'm just saying there's other logical things to jump to as opposed to, you know, the ethical standpoint, right? So th- yeah, my thing is, Go I mean, Sirianni would have been there no matter what. I don't, I don't think nobody was right. knocking and down the door to talk to That's him. the <laughs> argument against. That's the argument against. Now, maybe they wanted to get the staff put together. Um, and I agree with you. I, To me, it's a mixed bag for me because I, I, you and I have had conversations about this. I've never thought that this was the right job for Eric Bieniemy. Do I – look, I, I'm going to be honest. Do I think that – I'm also the one in the press conference who asked about minority candidates with Jeffrey Lurie. I do think they should have been aggressive, should have been a lot more aggressive with the way they handled minority candidates. That said, I also understand that not every minority candidate is built like the correct uh, shape to put in the, the hole. You know what I mean? Like to me, Deuce would have been a more appealing head coaching candidate for this job than Eric, in my opinion, just based on history, based on, you know, the understanding of the locker room already, etc. I was also a big fan of Todd Bowles. I get it completely. But then again, he runs a 3-4. Do the Eagles really want to move to a 3-4? They've shown with their actions that they do not. So I understand why he wasn't taking precedent i also know that they really focus on offense um that said you know it was clearly deliberate they were going after a black quarterbacks coach it was very deliberate that they were going off after a black special teams coach like that was deliberate those were deliberate sets does that get them off the hook no uh because i'm still kind of iffy on the steichen hire personally i get it it makes sense to me there's logic but i'm also kind of like meh um, so that's what I'll say on that. Let's talk about the staff as a whole with this running backs coach job, uh, wide open to me. Uh, I, I, I just, I think they need a, someone with like either head coaching experience or a longtime coordinator experience to either fill that running back role or be the assistant head coach here. Because, man, this is an extremely inexperienced group. Yeah, what do you right. think? Uh, you're right. I mean, I know Brian Westbrook uh, kind of threw his his hat into the ring for there, but they really need they need another veteran, head, uh, veteran coach on this staff. They really do. And we've seen – I mean, we know running backs don't last that long in this league, so you, you're, you're – already trending down you're trending towards downward toward the younger side they're going to need somebody to go ahead and, and, and teach some and be an effective teacher when it comes to the pass protection game and running the routes as well too and uh, and you're looking around like i don't know i personally don't know who could fit that role that's out there that could be willing to come with this team right now with with the youth that they're trying to go i 
it, it's it, I don't know if they're going to have to rely on free agency to have a veteran guy to come in to go ahead and show, hey, this is how you do things to help them out. I don't know if they're going to bank on that, but it's going to be interesting to see which route they go with. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, one name I wouldn't be surprised if they they tapped it. I truly wouldn't be is if Darren Sproles was open to the job because he's been around the organization. He seems what happened with the last few years. He, he, he was, I think he was assistant to GM or something like that this last season. So I wouldn't be surprised if they approached him because he's a veteran guy. He he's he can not only help out with the running backs. He can go ahead and if the punt returners have a question, he can be another ear to go ahead and help him out, and he can bridge the gap between the coach and, and the players as well too. So I wouldn't be surprised that name that name uh came up as in part as part of discussions or eventual hire. Yeah, I agree. Um... Look, I think they need to be tactical with how they do this. I think they need to go to the college game and maybe find a head coach type who's got a history with running backs. That's normally what you're, where you're going to garner experience. But I do think they need a voice and a big voice because you're dealing with Miles Sanders, who could be a superstar, and you're replacing a guy who had a lot of cloud in that locker room, clearly. So I think you have to go about it with gaining a guy who has experience both as a leader of men and a guy who has experience breaking down the running back position in a way that he's gotten production and development out of that position, right? Because it seems like Sirianni's big goal here is not just teaching, but developing. And and that's what they really need to go about doing. Um, Moving on from that, talking about developing, I'm kind of like blown away by the reaction on both sides to this Carson Wentz uh, situation. Look, Carson's not talking. Uh, Whether that's the right move for him or not, it's going to continue to create this issue where, look, it does kind of look like he is indifferent. Uh, whether that's fact or not, it's something that we need to kind of take into account. You've got the Associated Press saying that he needs time away to think about his future with the team when he's starting the first year of a four-year, $128 million contract extension. You've got the Eagles saying all the right things, at least from Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie's perspective. Then you have Nick Sirianni, who is not weighing in one way or another. Uh they're perpetuating this storyline, whether they want to or not. And they know they are, trust me, they do. Uh, I can tell you that there are players in the locker room who are frustrated with this situation. There are people in the building that are frustrated with this situation. Um, There are reports out there that he hasn't asked for a trade yet and that's fine. But if you're also remaining silent, how are you being a productive member of the, the team of, of the organization? Uh, look, we've talked about it a lot. The Colts make a lot of sense to trade him to, uh, that said, it seems like a lot of quarterbacks are going to be available at like a historic rate this season. We just saw the trade of Jared Goff, two first round picks and a third round pick to the lions for Matt Stafford. Um, value is everywhere, right? And it, and it's changing. And I, I think some people jump to the conclusion that since the Lions got such a big haul for Matt Stafford that you should be able to get a large haul for Carson Wentz. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, That said, if you're Carson, 
you have some leverage here too because you know that the Eagles will have a $33.8 million cap hit if they trade you. So if you're willing to pay back some money, maybe you, if you really don't want to be here, you can get out of it. You could also say, look, I'm willing to go here and renegotiate my contract uh, to help you guys out. And it's a mutually beneficial thing, but I'm not going to go to this organization who I know does not fit my offense, who does not fit the way my game works, etc. So it's like one of these convoluted systems. And until we get some finality on this stuff or, even if Carson Wentz talks, I don't know that we're going to be drama-free on this situation until at least the third day of the league year when Carson Wentz gets another guaranteed $15 million Excuse me, on his salary. So it's one of those things where, I don't know, Chris, I don't see an end in sight. Where, what's your whole uh, outlook on Carson Wentz right now? Well, personally, I, and, and I know this goes against especially what we do for a living, but I I think for him, knowing especially if he wants to keep the window open to being traded, I would continue to not talk and keep my mouth shut because I think the, if he did come out here and says, hey, you know what, I don't think my future is in Philadelphia, then we know the trade value is going to go down and nobody's going to – they're going to get pennies on the dollar for him, and the next thing you know, he's back here no matter what. It goes against his, his own interest, but – I think when you look at overall, I think I think one thing, especially when we heard Sirianni said that Steichen and him, he had both talked to Wentz. I think they're keeping that door of commu- that line of communication open, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're continuing to talk, especially trying to see what their visions for the offense will be and how he would go ahead and play in there. And I wouldn't completely count him out, be not being back. I mean, we spoke to it earlier today with a uh, Kurt Warner and. Uh, Michael Irvin and Steve Mariucci, and they all said they they all think there's an avenue where he can still come out, and they think he's still salvageable. And looking at that way, especially as well too, especially with some of the things that went wrong with him, I think that's the I think more and more that's the path that's going to go because I think other teams have seen what's on his tape, and they're going to work, and they're hearing they're you know they're hearing the same things that we're hearing, and everybody everybody talks around this league, so everybody knows about that stuff. So I. I think he's him being quiet is still a way for him to try to have enough value to be traded, even with all these quarterbacks that are out there. Because if you look at the market, it's still kind of a eh. <laughs> I mean, he, he, there, there, there's some. You can make an argument that since Stafford has gone off, you can make you could make an argument that he's the second best available quarterback that will be on the market besides Deshaun Watson. And the Texans steadfastly have said they may not trade him. So. All of a sudden, if he keeps quiet, he still has a lot of value. But I, I, I still wouldn't be shocked if he comes back and there is a quarterback competition between him and Hurts. I really am not. I wouldn't be shocked. So here's what I'll say to that. And I think you bring up a great point that his silence buys leverage. And I, it, I think from the Eagles standpoint, that's why it benefits them to not really anoint anybody. Right. Like Nick Sirianni got criticized for not really, you know, knighting somebody as his quarterback. But to me, that's the logical move because if you anoint Carson Wentz and then he comes back to you and he says, look, I want to be traded. Then you've already sent the wrong message to the locker room. You've already sent the wrong message to Jalen hurts and you're kind of nowhere. If you then, in turn say, look, we're going to anoint Jalen Hurts, then you're forced to trade Carson Wentz, you have no leverage, 
And if you can't trade him, guess what? You've got to bring him back, and he's a mopey guy in the locker room. Um, so, And then if you straight up announce a competition, then you're forcing Carson Wentz essentially to say, you know what, do I want to really go through this? Uh, so you can't really show your cards here. And I think the Eagles have done what they can. Look, it's a sloppy situation on the outside, but I think from within the league, you're at least keeping some of your leverage to you. Uh, look, I don't think the Eagles are going to get a first round pick for Carson Wentz. That's where I'm at, or at least a true first round pick. I could see them getting an early second rounder and like a fifth, but I don't think they're going to get a true one for him. That's just my opinion. Um, he's coming off. A terrible year. His completion percentage was awful. His QB rating was awful. He led the league with 15 interceptions and 50 sacks taken. Oh, by the way, despite only playing 12 games. So, um, but that said, I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts either. Uh, I think you have to really study what he did last year. Yes, they started games much faster. Yes, he played much more loose. But the second half of games kind of fell apart a lot. So, um that's something that I'm kind of interested in to see what they do there. Uh, let's kind of wrap this whole thing up in a bow. Um, you know, Chris, look, the running back position, the running back coach position is a big thing. Uh, Carson Wentz is obviously a big thing. But what are we not talking about that we should be talking about at this moment for your final thoughts? I think you really need to go ahead and start looking at – what are they, they, this, the roster is coming up. I mean, the senior, you still have Howie Roseman still back as the general manager. And, and, and that news of Dorsey leaving, you, you're now relying heavily now on Roseman to make this right selection at the draft. And I think that, I think that got overshadowed by all the news about Sirianni and everything. And you're looking now, this, this team has one of the most important draft picks it's had in, mo- in recent memory. And they're going to have to hit on this, even if it, even if it means trading out, trading down a couple spots in order to go ahead and get more picks to give them more chances to hit on some more of these guys. I, it's, this is going to be, I think, the most important draft of Howie Roseman's career because even though I think he came back this year, I don't know how how Lurie can go back if he if he bombs again on a draft and these draft picks don't contribute again. I don't know how he continues to come back after that. So it's going to be very important not only – and especially in a in a pandemic ridden uh, in a world right now, when it comes to scouting, you can't really you don't have a combine and everything else. This is going to be the toughest job that Roseman's going to face, and he has to find a way to make sure he gets the most out of, most out of these draft picks, and and not only draft picks, but undrafted free agent signings coming up. Yeah, I think for me the the outlook is what are they doing on defense? Like this feels like it needs to be a rebuild. And look, I think they're going to keep Fletcher Cox. Darius Slay is going to be here. But really, it seems like Jonathan Gannon is going to be able to to build this defense in his own image. And I think that's good. Uh, Frankly, I think this team has been way too loyal to longstanding players. We don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Graham. We don't know what's going to happen with Derek Barnett. But overall, I think the Eagles are in for a really fresh start on defense. And... What happens with both those defensive ends that I mentioned is very intriguing to me. So with that said, uh, make sure you download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. You can also sign up for Eagles Extra. We're having a lot of fun on our Friday Q&As. We've been doing them for about the last month. 
Um, come hang out with Chris or myself. We're taking turns here. Um, and you can sign up for that 14 days free, two weeks, and just kind of test things out as more news pops up. As we mentioned, you know, we were the ones that broke Press Taylor not being retained. We've broken, uh, you know, Nick Rallis getting the, the linebacker's job on there, got that well before everybody else. Um, and then we've also got some great content on there and some great, you know, exclusive analysis. So make sure you sign up for Eagles Extra on nj.com slash text. For Chris, I'm Mike. We'll talk to you next week.